everyone. Welcome to the Speak Up podcast. This is Laura Camacho. And today we have a special guest, Mr. Edward Turnbull, who is tuning in from Vancouver, Canada. And Mr. Turnbull, or Edward, as I'll call him, he has a very interesting background in law, in business negotiations, in mediation, and sales. And he also is very athletic. He is also into mindfulness. And so today we are going to talk about this very different approach to communication, a mindful approach to communication. And Edward is going to make the case that mindful communication leads to happiness. And I'm going to drill him down to see if we can really pull off mindful communication with all the stress at work. So welcome to the show, Edward. Tell us about your path to writing about communication and happiness. Excellent. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate you having me here today. So as you mentioned, I do have a background uh, in sales and negotiation and business. So I've been doing this for quite some time. And uh, something I noticed over the whole time, but particularly over maybe the last five or six years, is I've been noticing that this communication in general has been somewhat degrading in a sense to where I just feel a lot of options are being lost and people are not being at their at their top level, so to speak, or getting sort of the the, the most out of what they're trying to communicate. So something I've been wanting to write this book for quite some time and finally had the time to actually do it and put it out. So here it is. It really, it's out there really to help everybody. It's not designed for people specifically in business or specifically of a certain communication level. I think it's really just for anyone that's interested in enhancing their communication skills, no matter where that level is, it's definitely written for somebody that could read it. You know, a high school student could read it or a CEO of a fortune 500 company could read it. So I really did that on purpose, kept it very simple and concise. So, uh, I know everybody is is doesn't have any time anymore. So, but you know what? Now that you're as you're saying that, I think the book, the title, by the way, everyone is mindful communication for happiness. Of course, that will be in the show notes. But that would be a really good high school or college graduation gift. So, the, for those of you, all the parents out there who are aunts and uncles and grandparents, think about that as a really helpful gift because communication as you say is so universally applicable but i want to talk about the communication degrading that you mentioned in your book and i want to know do you attribute that to covid or pre covid like tell me your thought process or your observations about the communication degrading i think that's really insightful i think definitely pre covid for sure i mean i think during this time People are, there's another layer now on top of it, which is probably making it worse, but I think absolutely free. I mean, I think really the advent of social media and technology has certainly brought a lot of this to light. And I'm not anti-technology. I think it's great if it's used in the right way, but I think it's being misused a lot. And I think especially with the younger generations, it's caused a sort of just, I think like if you're you know, always just communicating via text or electronic means you forget or you never learn how to have a conversation face-to-face with somebody, which I think is a huge skill that is diminishing. Um, And now obviously, you know, I guess even with like a video call, you're still face-to-face. It's really still the same skill. You're looking at somebody, you can pick up certain cues, subtle communication from other people and yourself. So 
I think it's something that's been going on for a while. It just seems to be really, yeah, not at a great point right now from my perspective. Yeah. Well, you're totally, I mean, I'm totally aligned with that because I was, I call it the algorithmic brain. I mean, like our, the use of so much internet and the the feedback that we get instantaneously and the dopamine hits we get when people like our things, I think have really decimated our attention spans. And like you said, the lack of just everyday conversations. I know, you know, I would get so crazy with my daughters when they would be texting back and forth just to decide about a movie. Of course, back in the day when people could go to the movies, I was like, just pick up the phone. But for them, you pick up the phone if somebody's dying. I mean, that's just right. It's like if somebody calls you now. Well, with the younger, with my younger friends, if if mm-hmm. if you if somebody calls you or you call them, no one answers. Right. It's, it's a scary. It's a scary scenario. <laughs> I think yeah. my friend, my friends over forty. You know, they'll pick up the phone a lot, right? It depends. <laughs> but right. That I think I it's, a, it's a, about a bit that. of a generation gap there. I think if they, if you didn't grow up taking regular phone calls, it can be a pretty scary thing, which is kind yes, of funny. Yes, it is you know? funny. Because it's, it's a big part of communication. And I think, and I wrote about it in the book, and I think it's important for everybody to be able to be great at texting, to be great at phone conversation, video conversation, in-person conversation. I mean, I think everyone's going to have their own strengths, but I think overall you want to be good at the whole, you know, right across the spectrum, you know, whether that's just for personal reasons or for business reasons, it's a very, very important part of life. Well, I totally agree. And, but I've never addressed this important point that you make. It's really kind of the theme of your whole book is like how if you don't communicate well, it's harder to achieve happiness. So I want you to break, you know, tell me a story about this or tell me how you came to this conclusion. Yeah, I think really for me, I mean, I've made every mistake in the book, so I'll make that clear now. So, I, I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons that I wrote it from my own lessons learned and from from other people that I've experienced go through certain similar things. Really, I think at the end of the day, uh, what it comes down to is when you're actually aware of your own communication, which is what mindfulness is really, it's become kind of a catch term, but really it's being aware of what the reason you do things and when you're doing things. So when you're talking, being aware of actually what you're saying and also being aware of what other people are saying. And then you can go a level deeper with that where being aware of your own conditioning. So for instance, you know, um, instead of just being afraid to take phone calls, be aware that maybe you're afraid to take phone calls. And why is that? Maybe because you've never had the, the opportunity to create that skill. So not being afraid of what you're afraid of and maybe trying to face that and going in and saying, you know, I'm going to learn to take phone calls and not be afraid of being on the phone or, or, or speaking in front of, you know, a crowd of people or whatever it is. So I think really what it comes down to is the mindfulness really is just, I think you have to decide that you want to look inside and just take a closer look at your own communication or your, your own life in general, because really communication is, we're always communicating when you're communicating, when you're asleep, you're communicating, your body is communicating to you. You're communicating to yourself with internal dialogue and you're communicating externally to the world. So we're always in a form of converse, of communication. You can also go deeper and deeper with that. I mean, this is more, the book is more based on, you know, traditional communication, I suppose, but you can go a lot deeper with it. There's some, definitely some examples in there, but you know, something like meditation, which is becoming very popular now. I personally am a big advocate of meditation. I've been doing it for, for some time. It, it slows the mind down a little bit and gives you a chance to have a look at your own habits and some of the things that you may or may not be doing 
and starting to figure it out of maybe why, you know, why am I having conversations and I'm not getting the results I want or why are people never, or why are people not listening to me or why are they getting upset with me or, you know, and, and kind of, instead of blaming everybody else, I feel that it's very become a thing now where it's like, well, it's their fault, you know, and to think that it, well, it might be yours, you know, you may be the toxic person, you may have the toxic habits and, you know, maybe both of you or, but at the same time, I think instead of just pointing the finger, take a responsibility yourself, have a bit of more, more compassion for other people. And I think that's something that another thing that I talked about a lot in the book that it's, it's really lacking a lot. I think maybe people are starting to wake up a little bit with the current situation we've been in. I think some people certainly are, and there's a little more kindness going around, but I think in general, there's sort of a lack of compassion. It's kind of just about being just out for yourself and, you know, how much can I take? And, right. um, not really too concerned about maybe thinking about somebody else and why they're coming from a position they're coming from. I mean, if somebody's upset with you, maybe it's got nothing to do with you. It could be personal. It could be a business call. I mean, I've had plenty of managers and, and owners of companies that have, have opened a, a whole slew of, of things on me. It was actually nothing personal. It was just that they had a bad day. They had an argument with their mm-hmm. wife. Uh, you know, um, there was a problem at home and all of a sudden you were just the first person there and, um, or, there was an underlying issue of some sort. And I think where the mindfulness comes in is you can start to dissect why people are communicating to you a certain way and why you're reacting a certain way. And if you start to become more skillful with that, it's like anything, it's going to take some time. You're going to start to have better interactions with people and you're going to reduce a lot of stress, a lot of negative emotions, whether that's anger, whether that's depression, confusion, whatever that is. And you're going to start to just kind of step back a little bit and be like, look, everyone's got their own things going on. And um, instead of, you know, really trying to get involved with all the emotion and getting right into that, causing more and more problems. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's interesting. I really like, so you're defining mindfulness as awareness of yourself. Is that your definition of it? It's really being aware of your own mind really is what it comes down to. Um, At the end of the day, I I think, as as I said, mindfulness is something that comes from Buddhism originally. It's a very old concept, and I think it's been brought into become somewhat trendy now. And I think it's used in some ways incorrectly, where just pieces of it are used. Um, but really, if it's not very complex. Really, it's just being aware of your own mind, aware of your own actions, aware of your own thoughts, your impulses of your own and of other people's. And while you're in communication, being aware of that. So, in a sense, you're kind of an observer. You're kind of stepping back outside of yourself and observing yourself as you communicate. And I think good salespeople mm-hmm. already do this. You know, oh, they, tell me. So, oh, so good salespeople are because their paycheck depends on or negotiators or people that are dealing with a lot of people regularly. Right. I mean, even a, a good waiter at a restaurant for the most part is probably doing that because I think at a certain point, if you're successful in those industries and you're successful with communication, you start to realize that and you just kind of start to observe and you communicate and you can, then you can make adjustments because I think uh, if you're sitting in a meeting, for instance, and there's a, a lot of a negativity or emotional things come up, or maybe you're personally attacked over something. I think if you can sit back and you can observe that you can respond a lot better uh, with a lot more wisdom. And you can also 
damage control. Um, and I think you can also turn things around very fast too. And especially if you see you're paying attention to other people in the room, whether that's on a, a phone call or if you're looking straight at them, you can some, maybe sense that maybe now is not such a good time to say this. You know, maybe I should wait mm -hmm. till tomorrow or, or another meeting. You know, even if it's important, it's not always the best time. Like I say in the book, for instance, that sometimes poor communication at the right time can be more effective than good communication at the wrong time. And I think that's something that's, again, it comes down to mindfulness, comes down to practice and experience, but being aware of all these subtleties that are going on. And again, this could be with your mailman. You know, you don't have to be sitting in a boardroom in, in Silicon Valley or wherever. It, it applies across the board and it depends what area of your life you want help with communication with. Maybe it's everything. For some people, it could just be with relationships with family, for some people, it's just pure. They want to sell more. They want to negotiate better. They want to, or or they want to get their point across better. People aren't understanding them. You know, it goes on and on. And it's fun, yeah. It's funny that as you mentioned, this is a, just hit this one more time because the awareness that was pointed out to me as a reason why my business model wasn't going to work. This was many many years ago. Somebody was trying to help me and, and he was saying, well, Laura, the people who are bad communicators don't have the awareness that they're bad. So how are they going to reach out to you for help? But fortunately, the, you know, the business world kind of caught up with the idea that communication can save them time and money and make employees work better. Right. And I think people do have to want to change themselves, though, or, oh, yeah. you know, and that's part of it. You can't, you're not going to, again, I wrote the book for people that are actually interested in focusing on their communication or maybe having some interest in, in that area already. And again, I think you have to be ready for it. But again, everybody is communicating every day. So right. it's something that everybody is doing. So I think it's very important to be successful at it. And again, I've seen so much, and I'm sure you have too, where, you have people that are extremely talented, but they just, they're not communicating, whether it's a lack of self-belief or confidence or whatever it is, but they're just, that's really what's, I think a lot of the times stopping people from achieving their goals or achieving their dreams. It's just the lack of communication. And again, that could just be actually going out and doing it. Communication could just be as simply as going and applying for that job that you really want, that you're afraid of, or going and talking to that person about an opportunity. And again, it's a very broad, it's a broad area. Yes, it is. And but what you're saying, yes, to take responsibility and even tell your boss that you want that next raise. I just was absolutely, absolutely. talking to someone this morning and she was so upset because she's a high performer and her boss has not promoted her. And I said, well, when was the last time that you told him that you wanted a promotion? And she had never told him that. And he was probably waiting for her to ask. I wrote about that in the book. Sometimes yeah. I, sometimes I've, I've been in that situation when I was younger and I, I finally went up and asked him that it was like a yes instantly. And I'm like, why didn't I do this a couple of years ago? You know, sometimes yes. people are just waiting there. You're, you're in, they, they've got you on their list, but you know, you have to show them that you're ready and, um, they're waiting. So yes, I think what I my theory on why this happens is that it happens to those of us who were good students in school. And so we're so used that we get this uh, conditioning of turn in the homework, do good on the test, you get an A. And so you just it prepares you subconsciously to think, well, all I have to do is do a good job and then I'll get rewarded. Right, right. So here's my, yeah, here, exactly. Uh, and, it, and the world doesn't really work that way. And I, again, there's different types of communicators and I wrote about it. I went into depth in this in the book. I mean, there's more, so I think, I think in obviously in America, North America, direct communication is a lot more, 
it's a lot more common. And again, there's different levels of direct communicators. And then you have indirect communication where you have, you know, like uh, for Asia, the Asian countries mm-hmm. specifically have a very, very indirect, like Japan, for instance, is extremely indirect. And then you have different levels of indirect in there. And I think, again, there are indirect communicators in North America. I'm not saying it's just country specific, but it, I think you have to discover what type of communicator are you? Where are you comfortable? Again, that's the mindfulness. Am I, am I, do I have an issue being direct with people when I really need to? If I'm really upset about something, can I say it? And I don't mean in a mean, nasty way, but maybe say, hey, I've got a problem with this. You know, And I think a lot of the time people hold that inside and they maybe use subtle communication by you know not smiling for a week or trying to get the point across in a, a very, very indirect way. And it, it, it wastes so much time and oh. energy. And then people, some people can't read the indirect communication, so they get confused. Again, so this is where the, the, the kind of the skill of communication comes in. And I think just start to figure out if people, people's own, other people's communication habits, and then being comfortable maybe to step out of your comfort zone, being, look, I'm going to have to be more direct in this scenario. And also, everybody wants to save time. Look, uh, right. the one most valuable asset we have is time. And uh, I mean, to a certain extent, you can buy a little bit of time, but for the most part, you know, you want to maximize your time. And I I think a lot of time is wasted. That's what I've seen more than anything in the corporate world. So much time is wasted with poor communication. A lot of that, for Mm -hmm. instance, people just wanting to show you how important they are and not getting things done or it takes months longer. And again, it's just, it's pretty broken. Yes, it is. Not everybody. No, no, no. And, and everybody has like a different kind of situation. And, and I want to talk about energy, but be- I have one question for you about the emotion This is and the mindfulness, because I get asked a lot, uh, say somebody's in a meeting and they perceive in the moment that they are being attacked. Now that may or may not be the intent. Right. So it, is the, do you have a tool or a suggestion for somebody like to get a hold of themselves, you know, in real time yeah. in the meeting b- before responding? That's a great question. I mean, that is a very, very pertinent question. And I think that, you know, first of all, I would say if you don't meditate, I think it's a great habit to pick up. You could start 15 minutes a day. And what it will do is it will start to put you into that mindfulness, sharpen your mindfulness and start to quiet your mind and learn to observe your own thoughts you know, it's not necessarily not thinking, but observing your own thoughts. So I think, and then you can start to make a disconnect because I think a lot of people, if they have an emotional feeling, then they're conditioned to react to that. So whether they get emotional, whatever level of emotion they go to with that feeling, they might take it out on in the meeting, or they may just go inside themselves and be super upset for the rest of the day. And either way, it's not very healthy and it's definitely not the best way to communicate. So I think learning to sort of take a step back from your own emotion and go, oh, I'm feeling emotional. Why is that? And, and realizing where that's coming from, where that feeling is coming from. And it's a skill and it does take some time to develop. But I think even with people that are used to doing it, everybody gets emotional and feels someone says a certain thing and you feel it. So instead of reacting it, you create a space, uh, a space between yourself and the emotion. So you just observe the emotion come up and you, you just learn not to react on it. And, you know, and then you make the decision, is this a good time to react on this or not, or just let it go. I'll figure it out later. Or you realize, oh, I'm getting upset because there's a little bit of ego there. And that was, you know, I took it, that was my ego getting upset. And it just doesn't matter why react on that. What's your goal? And if you're in a business meeting, if your goal is to close a deal or your goal is to get 
you know, somebody to agree to something or whatever it is. You need to put all that above, you know, your own emotions, I think, at the end of the day. And I, I think people are just very, very caught up in their own emotions. And that's normal. But uh, the meditation and the mindfulness is definitely going to create some space where you can start to stop being so controlled by your emotions and just start to observe them for what they are. They're just emotions, anger, sadness, whatever they are. It's just an emotion. And you don't, it's not really you. It's just a biological response and you don't have to react to it. And you certainly don't have to let it control your life and your communication with other people. Awesome. Well, that, that is very helpful. So we've hit on this a little bit with the working from home and the, and the video communication, but I think that every, from my point of view, talking to people every day, there's just, people are tired, <laughs> overwhelmed, a little bit anxious or a lot anxious and tired and energy, of course, you know, to communicate well, you need to bring high energy. And I think even, no, not even, but especially with remote communication, you have to bring more energy because it gets to me in my unscientific explanation is that it dissipates as it crosses the screens. So tell me about, you know, you've worked a lot with the concept of energy and keeping a high level of energy. What is your take on how that affects communication and how can we increase our energy level? Yeah. And again, I mean, this is a whole nother topic. I mean, uh, you know, this is a whole nother book, but it's very, very important. And I do discuss it in the book. And I think just your point on the energy dissipating, I think really like when you're in front of people, then th there's more energy in the room if there's a whole room of people. So I think you can pick up on that energy, but if the energy is very negative, it's maybe not going to help you. If the energy is positive, it will. So I think when you're on video conferencing all the time, you're really bringing just all your own energy all the time. And I, I think that's what, what you're sensing. I think that no matter what you do, energy is the most important. Like if you don't have the energy to do everything you want to do in a day, like realistically, you know, it's just, it's a problem. And I think a lot of people are low on energy. And I think a lot of the mind thinking burns a lot of energy eating, not eating healthy or eating enough or eating too much that that's going to lower your energy levels, staying hydrated. These are very simple things like mm -hmm. drinking good, good water, spring water, drinking enough of it, you know, curbing down things like alcohol, drugs, things of that nature, all, you know, have a look at your life and what, what, are, what habits do you have that are energy growing uh, mm -hmm. and what habits do you have that are energy draining? So there's I mean, no secret besides getting nutrition just, and water and sleep and exercise? Yeah, exercise. The, the really, those are the staples. I mean, good sleep, good water, good food, you know, exercise, the meditation is big. You know, if you're thinking all day, it burns a lot of energy. So, or, you know, starting to, like I said, with the mindfulness, create some some time in your own, in your own mind where you're, you know, maybe there may be thoughts, but you don't have to follow everything. You're just observing it. You can, you know, save a lot of energy. You know, I think that a big thing for people, it's overwhelming. I think people have too much to do. And I think one thing to do is what can you cut out from your day? Do you have to do all of that? Have a look at maybe cutting out some activities or cutting some things out and maybe pick one area where you could work on raising energy, not all at once, but pick one thing, keep it simple, you know, have a look. Is it, is it your food? Could you be doing something better with that? Maybe it's the water. Maybe you need to exercise more, more fresh air is important. I think going out in nature is super important. I think that people working from home now more, I mean, I've been working remote for quite some time on and off, probably for the last 15 years. So I've, I've quite you know used to it. 
I think that uh, a lot of people are maybe spending too much time inside, you know, yes. in, 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 an, in an apartment, or even if you have a big house, you're, you're sitting on down, you're probably in one room, you know, doing your conferencing oh, and eight, nine hours in a little space. I, it's not that healthy, to be honest. Um, it's not. You know, and, and I think that, you know, you're lacking the, the people around in the office, which people, you know, help you relax or give you positive you know, feedback and can also work the other way too sometimes. But I think that, that there's definitely probably some depression or loneliness and things of yes. that nature right now, lack of human contact. Yes. I think they, everybody, everybody, everybody's feeling that, uh, whether they were working remote before or not, because just like that, I mean, being able to go to the coffee shop, <laughs> you know, leave, leave your house and go out and do a few things and come back and, and do more work or whatever. I and mean, that, that sort of whole thing, everything is just very strange. So I think, yeah, the mental energy is, is a huge one. Yeah, I would I say the number one to focus on. It's important to reckon. I hadn't thought about it, that thinking itself takes a lot of energy, but it, it takes, does. I think it takes the most. I mean, outside of, unless you're really, really, you know, doing a lot of alcohol drugs, you're not sleeping. You're, I mean, if you're really, you know, one side of the spectrum, then that's going to make a huge difference if you start to make changes there. But I think for most people, a lot of the, uh, the loss of energy is from stress. And a lot of yes. that is thinking, overworking, stressing, thinking about the future, thinking about the past, Again, you know, trying to stay more in the present moment, I think is very, very important. And uh, when you're in the present moment, when you're sort of just being and talking and not thinking, your you know, energy just flows. And uh, again, there's no past, there's no, there's no future, there's nothing really to worry about. And I think that it's important. That's a great point of view. And I do think that you're absolutely right about people doing too much. But I do also think that Sometimes we do it to ourselves, having meetings that run on too long, being on meetings that we shouldn't have. So I'm always telling people to, you know, cut back on your meetings, make them shorter, but better or fewer. Yeah. And I think also which meetings are more important than others and which ones can you cut back on? It goes back to the mindfulness again. And and I think a lot of people don't look at it. It's like, well, every call is going to be this length or every call has the, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And I think going back and having a look at I mean, I do a lot. I get a lot done in a day, probably a lot more than a lot of people. But sometimes I, I too, I try to do too much. And then I catch myself and I go, again, I think the multitasking thing, and you can only really do, there's really no such thing as multitasking. You can really only do one task at once. Multi, good multitasking is really prioritizing. It's really saying, you know, after this, 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 the, you know, one after the other. And I think that's a very good skill to have. But I think at some point you have to enjoy yourself, even if you're, running errands it's better just to take your take your time enjoy it you know for what it is and pay attention to the world around you maybe have a conversation with somebody uh, i know things are a little different right now you can still talk to people at the grocery store in most places you could still i mean you know uh, take the time to do it i see so many people just running uh, from one place to another out of the car into the car right you know in a hurry in the grocery line on their phone on this it just uh, absolutely no awareness of of what's who's around them what's going on i mean maybe you know maybe your future husband or wife was behind you at the at the lineup i mean who knows maybe there was an opportunity there i mean i think you know people are i've, I've lost a lot of of uh, awareness about the sur- the natural surroundings around them uh, whether that's oh you know, i think so and I think with the with the virus that people don't even make eye contact as much. I've as noticed people. that too. It's crazy. Yes, like it's they're scary. afraid that you're gonna give them a the germ. I, I think it's just the people are. I think what it is is there's a. I noticed there's been a lack of 
social confidence in people, especially like the younger generations for some time now. And I think what's happened with people that are maybe not always that social is that they've gone into even less social now for the last year. So now when they go out, they're very insecure and they're very afraid. It's not that they don't want to look at you or smile at you, but they just, maybe they are feeling inside that you're judging them or you're laughing at them or they just don't feel comfortable. I mean, again, I think there's a lot of that with communication, a lot of it. And I know from my own communication, being very shy when I got out of high school, very, very shy, you know, I could, I like to talk, but I was always shy. And, uh, I, I just knowing what I, uh, sort of faced in myself to break through those barriers and what I've dealt with with other people uh, in corporate and consulting and things of that nature, a lot of the time it's just internal stuff. It's not, and again, it's that thing of going, you know, pointing at the other person, they, they think, you know, I'm this or that, or they don't want to talk to me. But a lot of the time it's just them. They'd love to talk to you. you know? Oh, I know. To me, that's a, I have never under, I mean, it just seems so self-obsessed to think that somebody is actually taking time out of their day to judge you. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. Like, so like they have nothing do. better to do. Right, exactly. It, it's it's funny. And I think, again, it goes back, if you, you know, you work on your mindfulness, you become aware of the stuff, you become sharper with that. You start to dissect it, you know, you're just being silly a lot of the time. Or we ourselves, we're just, we play these games with ourselves and we're just, you know, these weird conditioning thoughts and, and things. And a lot of the time it's holding you back from, you know, it's really nothing. There, it is, it's really not reality. It's just something that's self-constructed. And uh, again, that we're going into sort of deeper, deeper realms of psychology and things. Of that yes. Way. Well, it does that you go down the rabbit hole. It is interesting. Well, what do you think like today, what would you suggest if somebody just says, Hey, Edward, I want to become a better communicator. And that's all you have to work on. What would you say? Well, I need I need a, one more answer from them. And okay. that would be, you know, what area, you know, what area of communication and why? Like what, what are the choices? Well, it just means if you want to communicate better at work, why? Ah, to know your why you want to communicate. Okay. Because it does make a big difference. To be more visible visible to other people in the like visible is just being more noticed or appreciated or well in the end that's funny because I, i'm role-playing with you the same process i go with through with my clients because they'll say i want to be a better communicator and i say yeah, well, you have to figure out where they're coming from right but but it's almost always it's almost always to get that next promotion that's, yeah, that's it what comes it down is. to money it comes down to money or something right. or wanting to be famous or wanting to be right but, it, but that, that's usually tied in with the money too so. yeah but it's really like getting that next promotion so right. what, what are you going to say well i mean i think First of all, you need to have a look at if you're being realistic with yourself. I mean, in that environment, are you, you know, it's one thing to believe that you can get a promotion. I think that's great. I think it's great to be confident and, and believe it, but you got to also be honest with yourself that like, I think a lot of people say that okay. they want it. And at the end of the day, I find a lot of the time they don't, they really don't. When you really get down to it, they don't, because I feel like sometimes people self-sabotage, they want the promotion. So why aren't you asking for it? Well, uh, do you really believe that you were a lot of time they really deep down inside, like the last like 5% of that, it's like a no, you know? So I think, yeah. So I think a lot of the time it's going inside and really going like, you know, if you really feel it inside and you really believe it, then like, let's put a plan together to make that work go and, get it. And again, what does it, does it come down to? I mean, every corporate or every business or every work situation, the structure is different. It depends sometimes on 
you know, middle management? Is it a best friend of the owner, uh, CEO? And there's all these these crazy social dynamics that come in, come involved in these things. And I think they're important when you start to look at these scenarios. But I, I think you can also overanalyze this stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I think overthinking is not a good way to go. I think a lot of the time, and again, where meditation will really help you is get more in touch with your intuition. Does it feel like it's a good time to go ask for the promotion? I believe that I do. I, I look back inside and I honestly believe that I'm worthy of the promotion and I have no fear to go and ask for. And I think this is a good time to do it. And this is the way I'm going to present it. Go do it. I love that. Do you think that people that it that it's a good practice to do many meditations during the day? It's really up to you. I mean, I think if you're starting out 15 minutes a day, I recommend half an hour, but I know that a lot of people are saying now 15, but I think, I think half an hour is, is good. But let's just say if, if it was 15 or nothing, I would say 15 a day is going to be hard for people for the, uh, for most people to start with because they've never done this before. And mm-hmm. I, you really, you, when you start, it's not that you you don't stop trying to think, but you're going to start focusing on your breath. You're going to, you're going to just start observing your mind and in, in silence. And I think, you know, it's difficult to do because people follow their thoughts. And if you haven't mm-hmm. done that, so it's going to feel like work probably for the first year. And I think if you can get through a year of doing it, you're going to see some benefits. It's, I mean, and there's all these things out here now, meditation is kind of becoming trendy, um, all these apps and stuff. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is they, it, it's meditation is, it's very, it's simple and it's extremely beneficial, but it's like going to the gym. It's not, no one's going to lift the weights for you. Like, you know, people think, Oh, I'm going to get in shape in a week. Well, you're not, and you're not okay. going to become a, uh, you're going to get benefits right away, but realistically it's going to take about a year of doing it to really see benefits, but you'll get benefits within a week or two. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a very, very good thing to do, but I just wanted to say to people that it's not, it, you have to want to put in the work. And I think everybody, especially these days, people are really looking for quick fixes. All yes. The time. yes. It's like the, the, the hard stuff, like becoming a good communicator, getting in good shape, all this stuff you've got, there's just no cheat code. Like you have to go put in the work. Like you can be smart with it. You can make it more efficient. But at the end of the day, like you got to put the work in, you know? Right. I want to ask you about mindfulness and imposter syndrome. A lot of people will, that they throw that at me, like I have imposter syndrome and I'm like, well, well, what does that mean to you? And, you know, that is a form of insecurity. What, what, what can you define? I've never, I haven't heard that, that term before. Okay. Are you talking uh, about, are you talking uh, about like, like thoughts or something? Yeah. Or, thoughts of that, that aren't your own. Well, no thoughts that mm-hmm. I'm not really, that I shouldn't be here. I'm, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud, that I'm not. Right. Gonna, uh, right. Really well, I think, I think a big thing is a lot of people are being fake a lot of the time. They're not being congruent with themselves and that, and that, and that's where those thoughts come from because you can't really trick the subconscious in a sense. Like if you're lying, you know, you know, you are like, you could get good at, you know, pretending. And uh, I think a big thing is to be start to become more congruent with yourself. First of all, I think, you know, be real, be hundred percent real. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't, I fake it to make it. I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, like you should push your boundaries. And, mm-hmm. um, but again, if you really don't believe you are who you're portraying or you're trying to portray an image, I talk about that a little bit in the book. If you're trying to be somebody else, or you're trying to be a character from a movie or something like this, or you're trying to create an image that you're selling, like a, you're, you're becoming a brand. I think mm-hmm. we see a lot of that right now. It's very dangerous because I, there's a, lo- a lack of con- congruency there. And I think that's why you see a lot of, it's just not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's trying to portray just like this, like life, like I, you know, like look at Instagram, for instance, a lot of it, it it's, 
my life, it's just like, even with the tennis players, for instance, they never post a picture when they lose. Oh, they win the, they win the trophy. Uh, and it's like, why not post point. a picture when you lose? Like, that's part of life. Like, no one, like, you know, it's like, it's the really like winning and losing, like losing is sometimes winning. It depends how you look at it. Like you, you know, you can have a much bigger lesson sometimes from that and grow from it. So I, I think like we're in this kind of this scenario of like trying to be perfect. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, every photo is perfect. Every, everything. Oh, is, it's crazy. This whole image thing. So I think if you're taking that out into the world, like your subconscious knows that, that this is just a uh, fabricated reality. It's not really congruent to the way you feel like you're natural, like you're, like your, your deep inner feelings are not mm-hmm. congruent to that. And I think that's where a lot of those thoughts come from. And I've been there. Like when I was in my early twenties and stuff, I played that game a little bit where I, I tried to be, you know, like the big CEO and stuff, this company I owned. And I, it, it wasn't that it was just, I tried to be more than I was at the time. And I, I had, to, I wanted to be this, this guy that I had envisioned and I tried to, to live that, but it wasn't congruent. So ultimately <laughs> it didn't work out and it, ended, it, 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 it caused a lot of suffering for myself and I'm sure my, <laughs> my, my friends and business associates, and it, but it was, a, that was before I started meditating. And, uh, you know, I think so again, these thoughts are like in these imposter syndrome thoughts, are, they're not really imposter syndrome because it's, I think it's just, that's your, your true self coming up and saying, trying to tell you, you know, you know, you're not being congruent. And I think like if you are being congruent, but you have confidence issues, then just start to work on those a little bit at a time. So if you are being congruent and you're, you know, you're working on yourself and mm-hmm. there's a lot of self-development and things of that nature out there. And, uh, you know, um, I think, you know, it's natural to doubt yourself. I think everybody does, but again, it comes with practice. You know, you just, it, you don't have, just because you have a thought that says that you shouldn't be in this position or this have this job, or you're not, you know, good enough to be in this sales role. Some of this is just past conditioning from childhood. It's something that, that your mind has been conditioned with their old thoughts you can just ignore that. And again, that's where the meditation and the mindfulness comes in. You can just observe those thoughts and let them pass. I mean, if you follow them, you're going to make them stronger. So if you start following that thought and you obsess on it for weeks or days or hours and you make it worse, it's just going to get stronger and stronger. So I think uh, identifying that thought, again, if I'm being congruent, if I'm being, you know, and, and this keeps coming up, well, face it, where is it coming from? You know, why are you not feeling that you should be in this position? Because if you're there, you belong there. You know? that, that's yeah. If you're there, <laughs> if you're there, you belong to be there, and and start to embrace that. You know, just I I mean, look, nobody's perfect. No one's really judging you because people are too more worried about what you're thinking about them, and that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. I that's, know, and I say part. that so much. It, it's yeah, it's like nobody's part. got time to work to be judging you. Like honestly, like you can wear the same outfit to work every day, and no one will probably notice. And, and, and some people may start imitating you because they think it's that, that cool. I mean, I honestly like that. That's really like reality. And I think like people are so concerned about and I know it's a lot harder for girls and stuff. Society, there's, a, there's more pressure and, and things of that nature. And there's nothing wrong with wearing different outfits. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying I think a lot of the time we blow things out of proportion. It's like a lot of the time nobody really cares what kind of car you drive. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it's you that cares and you're projecting that onto other people. And, you know, people that really care about material possessions and judge you on it. You really want to be around those type of people. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, like Dr. Seuss said, those who <laughs> mind don't matter. And those who don't, right. 
those mine don't, don't matter. What was that? Something like oh, that. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, but he said the people that mind about right, stuff like that really right, don't. Right, don't right. But I think, look, every, everyone's having their own experience in life, and there's nothing to be ashamed with. If, if you're not being congruent, at least start to be aware of it and start to ask yourself, why and uh, like if you if you want to experience material possessions and you want to have nice cars and all this stuff there's nothing wrong with it really like it's just a, it's just an experience it's just that i think when you come in when you're you're hurting other people because of it to attain more and, and they're you know things of that nature that's where it starts to become bad and again if you're not being congruent with your own self and your own personality you're just not going to be able to sustain it so you might get somewhere for, you might get to a position but you're not going to be able to sustain it because it because you're just like inside it's not it's not real. So it's going to fall apart. And I think that's a, that's a whole nother topic about getting somewhere and then staying there. It's one thing to get there, but to stay there is a whole nother, a whole nother thing. So. Oh my gosh, Edward, this is so cool. I am excited. I'm going to, now I'm adding a new tool to my toolbox because I'm not a meditator, but now, but I, but I see the benefits. I do pray the rosary, but that's not the same thing, but it does slow me down a little bit, but I, I yeah. see through our conversation today how it can really help in many different ways because i hear a lot of complaints about people say their minds go too fast right, exactly exactly or, or or these thoughts about whether they're you know should be there or not like there's right. true benefits that there's not the really good communication it's their mental uh, that, uh, that's the thing a lot of the like, good communication really comes like i talked about in the book so your foundation your so we could say there's three parts to good communication for people that are listening to this so um the first part would be your foundation, which would be your energy, your diet, your health, your exercise, things of that nature. And that's gonna help you a lot. Um, your second thing would be to start your, with your own communication, looking, no matter how great your communication is or how great you think your communication is or how much experience you have or how old you are, it doesn't matter. Start to look back inside at your own communication. Why am I communicating certain ways? Why am I, am I communicating differently with certain people? So am I a different person with person A and B? Am I talking differently to this person than this person and why? And start to have a look at that. Um, and again, you're not gonna talk the same way exactly to everybody, but your baseline should be somewhat similar. You should be, a, uh, you know, your personality shouldn't be peaks and valleys, you know? Right. And then the, the third part will be to start looking at other people's communication that you're communicating with. And, also starting to look at why are they communicating a certain way? It probably has nothing to do with you. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but starting to actually listen, be a good listener. And to do that, you need to put yourself down to a certain extent. Um, Cause if you're thinking while you're listening to somebody else, or you're thinking about what you're going to say next, I mean, you're really missing the flow of the communication and the conversation. And I think that's where uh, negotiators and say people that are very good with sales, a lot of the time they're very good listeners because they might pick something up. They might know what they want to say next, but they go quiet and they listen to you and they pick up something from that that's very subtle. Can It could be below the words. It could be a, literally, it could be just something you maybe a little physical tick or a twitch or, right, right. or an eye movement. It could be that you're blushing. I mean, there's so many different, we can go, you can go so deep with this stuff depending on how far you want to go with it. But at that point, you know, you can really start to, be a good communicator, a better communicator. And it, whether that's just to make somebody feel better, whether it's to close a sale, whether that's just to, to save time and energy on your part, no matter what it is. And again, all these tactics, techniques are, are I want to stress this is I, I wrote the book to everything is to be used for positive reasons. So oh, I, know. Uh, I, for, I, I don't I think we have to say that, but I do like to throw it out there because I, I again, like you can turn everything, you know, um, into a negative. So these are, you know, they're all 
to be used for, for you know, not just positive for you, meaning I want to get the promotion or get this, but also, you know, for other people too, you know, get better at communicating with the goal of getting, getting better at communicating. It's not so much for yourself as for other people. And it, it's to, it's to make other people more at ease to make them feel better to help them as well. And in turn, you know, it should be a win-win situation. Absolutely. Well, this has been so interesting. So the book is called Mindful Communication for Happiness. So is that available, I guess, on Amazon? Yeah, it's available on Amazon, all the major channels. Um, I have an author page on Amazon. So there's an ebook available. um, And then there's a hard hard copy and a paperback. And there will be an audio book coming at some point. Are you you going to? Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'd like to read it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I will let you have, you know, one more, just like one thing that you want to leave everybody with, lay it on us, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I think that uh, everybody right now, I know everyone's going through some difficult times, everybody in their own way, and everybody's, you know, experience is different. And I think just just hang in there and, um, you know, have a look at your communication and your stress levels and what you can cut out from your life and what you can, you know, what do you really want? What, what, are, what are the most important things to you and try to focus on those and, and don't, don't take on too much. And uh, again, uh, start meditating 15 minutes a day. There you go. Thank you, Edward Turnbull. Thank you all for listening. I know you're all, I want the don't, if you're in the car, do not meditate now, but put it on your calendar and let's see how that helps us. Thank you very much. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Speak Up podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you.